the concept of loyalty can be fortuitous and it could be death. If it's, if you train the customer that only when we ding you with a deep discount, do you come in, you're training them to be, for lack of a better term, I, I did not create this term, bottom feeder. What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at ovationup.com. Welcome to another edition of Give an Ovation. I am joined today by Mike Bausch, who is the owner of the 17-year-old Tulsa-born Andalini's Pizzeria, which has voted the top 10 pizzerias in the United States by TripAdvisor. Can't wait to go out there. Finally, a reason to visit Tulsa. He <laughs> is the vice president of the World Pizza Champion Team and a voice of inspiration from being the author of Unsliced, How to Stay Whole in the Pizza Industry, to being interviewed by numerous national television uh, channels, as well as a great public speaker. Excited to meet him in person this year at the Pizza Expo. But Mike, thanks for joining us today and give an ovation. Thank you so much. I very much appreciate it. So first of all, Mike, um, tell us a little bit about Andalini's Pizzeria. Like, How did you become the top 10 pizzeria in the US? That's like no small feat. I mean, I, I'm guessing there's probably yeah. more than 12 out there. Well, there's, yeah, there's a few, there's more to shawarma. Uh, yeah, there's the, it happened by purely the TripAdvisor algorithm, which I'm very thankful for because it's devoid of opinion. It's mm -hmm. not like, well, well, that's because of this guy or this writer has a thing for that guy or whatever it is. And we did not know what was happening. We haven't paid TripAdvisor. It was just the algorithm had a, a public, um, press release come out one day and it popped on my Google notifications and I like pulled over. I'm like, what? What? what is this saying? <laughs> uh, uh, so you know, we started as a 1500 square foot restaurant in Tulsa. I moved out here right after college instead of going to law school after going in the Marines and uh, as an officer candidate at, at OCS, I have type one juvenile diabetes. So that was not going to be my future. I was not allowed to, to return for medical reasons. And then I just, took it all and invested my 20s in making a restaurant that at the start didn't super suck, but it wasn't great. And we yeah. got better at it and better at it. And every time there was an opportunity that presented itself, we took it and always, I think how we got there, the, the easiest, most palatable answer is I wanted it to be experience first. It was never, well, can we afford that cheese or I don't know, let anyone tell the difference on that product. It was, let's make, let's make the best mozzarella, fried mozzarella possible and not buy a frozen mozzarella stick. Yeah. Okay, that's the best. Now let's train everyone how to do it. And now that's good. Move on to the next thing and then make it that everyone's excited to work here because we're doing cool stuff and the environment's inviting. And if we leave with all that, the money should fall into place. Yeah, and, and I think that, that is something that's so important because oftentimes nowadays, a lot of restaurants get caught up in, in loyalty programs, right? A loyalty program is a freaking great experience. That is your punch card. That is your, you know, the best loyalty that you could have is like, you know, great product, great service, great experience. And, uh, you know, 
and something that they feel like they're getting their money's worth, you know? It's very hard with the concept of loyalty can be fortuitous and it could be death. If it's, if you train the customer that only when we ding you with a deep discount, do you come in that you you're it's you're training them like they're Dwight with the, with the ding of the, and they get a mint, you know, it's like, ding, now you get your yeah, mint. The, ding, no, your mint. Is there a, you have a mint? <laughs> yeah. You get, you get that. You are going. good at pop culture. <laughs> so Before uh, the podcast, Mike was telling me, he's like, I doubt there's a pop cu- pop culture <laughs> reference that I'm not going to get. Here he is throwing in a random office episode. You're, uh, ta- you're talking to the right guy. If you're talking to office, Mike. It's I don't go like Dennis Miller level deep. Any, I tell you, that's like ever seen Dennis, Dennis Miller live. He's like, yes. this guy's more crazy than Ho Chi Minh on an average Sunday. And it's like, what? Hold up, what? You know, I was like, I'd like break out, and it's like Lapedia again I know, before the internet to understand what. Especially, I really did in the '90s, like to understand what Dennis Miller's jokes were before the internet. I was like, oh, are you kidding going me? Into the Wikipedia. My high school, 50% of my high school history came from Billy Joel. We didn't start the fire because I memorized <laughs> the lyrics. And then I was like, it's what is song. chubby checker? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Doris anyway, what, Day, Red China, Johnny Pacific, Ray, Water Witcher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if anyone who cares, we're having a podcast here talking about and we food. Just, and we just lost <laughs> like 98% of the people except for the two nerds in their own nerdy. I'm like, I ain't know that reference exactly. <laughs> it's like a bad family guy episode. Okay. Here, <laughs> so, okay. We were talking about Dwight, loyalty. Here we go. We're back on track. The loyalty program, if, it, if you are telling someone Hey, come in for this deep discount. Problematic. You're training them to be, for lack of a better term, I, I did not create this term, bottom feeder. You're training uh-huh. them to that. If you're like, hey, we are so great. And then, hey, because you're in a loyalty program, you get to know about new and updating stuff. And hey, uh-huh. loyalty program people, this weekend, when you buy all this stuff, we're also going to give you this new item that we've been working on. Yes. And you can get that. Then it's like, oh, I'm in the club. That's what you want them to feel like. Yes, I, I love that, right? Loyalty is about being on the in-group. It's not about getting your 10th thing free. Because let me yeah. tell you, I go to a place the 11th time. It is not because I get something for free. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, you won my business in the first, 10 to- first nine times. Like, come on. Um, like, for example, I was talking with a restaurant owner and he was saying, you know, we have an 80%, uh, 80% use rate on our loyalty program. Like 80% of our tickets, they are, are using our loyalty program. I said, okay, um, what, do you, what do you do with that? He's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, I'm a customer of yours. I've never gotten a text message from you. I've never gotten any information from you. Do you can you use the data? He's like, well, no, we're not allowed to because we don't collect permission. I'm like, well, then what's the point of collecting the data? Because when I go to you to get something for, when I go, when I go to you to order, Every, every few weeks, they just say, hey, do you want to apply your $5 discount? And I'm like, sure. I didn't, I didn't even know I was getting it. So you're just giving me money to go there. Like, I'm, I'm fine spending on it. Anyway, so I yeah. think you're totally right. It's about the experience and that loyalty is about making them feel in as opposed to just giving them discounts, right? Like fan club would be better. Yeah. Yeah, if totally. I, if you look at it from that perspective. I uh, love that. So- as, as you, you've been through a lot these last 17 years, right? And um, yeah. what advice, let, let's take you, your restaurants two years in, okay? Let's say you started in 2017. Um, 
you, you got through, you know, six, you got through 18, got through 19, you hit 20 rough patch and here, here we're coming out of it, but you're still alive. What advice would you give you four years into your, uh, into your restaurant? Well, the, if someone's four years deep right now, some things are at least a given. They at least know how to operate. They, they've gotten over the operational. It's almost like I'm about to open I, and I have $150,000. I'm like, you're going to need more than that. A lot of people think, oh, I, I bought the oven. I have the shares. I'm done. And it's, it's never that. Uh, and then having financial, not just discipline, but organization, especially at the four years spot, it, these are the not sexy parts, but like you, the people who got PPP funding weren't going into their aunt's attic to find their 2017 taxes. Hmm. They were ready to file with the SBA. They had their, their, their financial self organized in a way that was palatable and easy to, to delineate to someone else. That's going to be important in the future. If, if it's 2020 and you're like, what am I doing? What's the next thing? I think it's really investing in your systems. If you want to grow into another store, what reason does someone have to work for you other than this is a pizza place? I think that's the biggest X factor as the labor market is super, super hard. People are like, oh, no one can get a job. I'm like anyone can get a job right now at the restaurant, anyone. And they're begging for people. But a lot of people have so many other sources of income than have ever existed. It, well, including including the government, right? I yeah. mean, quite frankly, I mean, all, all of all of your frontline workers just got some, you know, you know, they got some what three, four rounds of stimulus, and if they have kids, they're about to get some more money, and so yeah, it's going to be harder to to get those frontline workers. It's entry level workers. I mean, the, here's an interesting problem we're having in Oklahoma right now: dispensaries are paying a lot of money, but because they're not federally funded, they're having to pay under the table. So mm. there's guys who are able to like stay on an, on unemployment and get buku level cash in dispensaries. I mean, it's a very, it, there's, and it's just the wild west with dispensaries yeah. in general. So these well, and, and, are and they get a, and quite frankly, you know, dispensaries are a, you know, big, while they do support the munchies, right. It's, it's a big, labor suck because they're making per location 10x what a restaurant would be making right so they can exactly. afford to pay a lot more because their revenues are just crazy there's and uh so i think really treating people exceptionally well making your the process to get onboarded and trained up not only seamless but enjoyable these are things that are going to matter a lot and if on a, and if you know the labor market ever decides that it's fifty dollars an hour for someone to work, there's got. I mean, there's the people are getting paid less than that because it's the the whole basis of our social contract is that tips take it over to a place where it's palatable for this line of work. Right. You take that out of the mix, it the whole thing just kind of falls in on itself, and people are going to ditch servers and go to just kitchen staff and one and counter workers. Yeah. So I think people need to think big picture right now focus in on staff obviously product but i've always said product is the price of admission like you have a great pizza that's just like okay great here's your ticket yeah. now it's branding <laughs> ambiance and the service levels because quite frankly it's like people will choose data shows people will choose and will pay more 
for an eight out of 10 food, that's a 10 out of 10 experience, right? Because quite frankly, that experience makes the food better. It is all about you put you put bad food in good packaging. I mean, they Gordon Ramsay, right? He'll he did the like this prank where he served up other people's food and says it was his, and people were their minds were blown, and it was like a sous chef, but because they said it was Gordon Ramsay, it tasted like Gordon Ramsay, right? Yes. And so, not saying he's the idea. No, I mean the food has to be impeccable, but yes, the, if you look at Saks Fifth Avenue versus Marshalls, they could be they could both be selling a polo shirt. And if one's on a mannequin in the window and it says $450 for this polo, but if the other one's on a Marshall's rack, it's at 450, I'm like, no way in hell. No way. But if it's, right? but it, it, and it, the most that they could ever get is like 60 or not even like we're talking 30. Uh, so it's, but it doesn't give that, that customer. And that's the two different customers that goes into the loyalty concept. The Marshall's customer is going for, I, I don't care about fashion per se. I have a budget. This is what I care about. The other person is I want to experience and feel like a million bucks and pay a fraction of a million bucks to feel like a million bucks to get to that point. And with food, experience could get that person to feel what has never been normal. If you look at the 70s, there was no restaurants just weren't everywhere. There weren't that many restaurants in the 70s. The 80s kind of with the green is good level era, there started to be more restaurants, but no one went out to eat. Like each town had their one, maybe halfway decent Italian restaurant, maybe two pizza places. And now there's so much more competition oh, that yeah. people want to go to the best. I mean, and in the seventies, they were still kind of like getting used to the microwave, right? It was like this, this thing. I remember I, I stayed at a really old hotel that had a microwave from the seventies. And literally one of the settings was like chicken breast, and like you would cook chicken breast in your microwave. Like, you know, that that was what it was. It was all about the home cooking. And and now it's about the experience. It's about getting out. And which is what 2020, you know, obviously changed the face of so much. And I think that's mm-hmm. one of the pieces of culture that got put on pause and people yeah. are hungry for it. And one thing, Hopefully. Mike, that, yeah. well, one thing that we're seeing though, is that attitudes and habits have changed. As people have been going back into dining rooms, digital orders are not decreasing, right? There, no. is, there, are, there are more people that are ordering um, net. And I think that that's an exciting thing for restaurants and looking down the pipe, I mean, like, you, you, we better get ready. There's, there's that influx of revenge spending where people are gonna be going out to eat a ton, where they're gonna be ordering out still. And I think that's an exciting, uh, it's an exciting time to be in the restaurant space. The, the stimulus, I mean, any restaurant in America, I, I would challenge any restaurant to not say in uh, mid-March, early March was not maybe the greatest week of their restaurant. Every restaurant owner I know. And I was like, it's not, is it the vaccine? Is it spring break? And they're like, no, stimulus money. Just insane level spending at restaurants. Uh, in this last month with the stimulus money. And it shows the, that and that was the hope and predicate that they would go and invest back into the economy. Oh yeah. And I mean, I, shoot, I, I, I bought a metal detector, right? It was like, <laughs> hey, stimulus money, let's, let's buy it's stuff. A, it's a well, <laughs> well-worn purchase. The, uh, I think it, it, the generational thing is also interesting because the fifties were still depression era parents and it was very, pretentious to eat out 
it was it was lazy when pizza was delivered to the house a lot of people were like you can't even go to pick up a pizza irresponsible to spend it's a dollar yeah. and then and then it shifted in the 90s and now it's like i'm trying to live my best life and i know that that's time wasted that i could be with my family which would mm-hmm. just be like people were just just having kids left and right like yeah i i named them they're fine and now it's like <laughs> i live i mean Compared to seventies and eighties, to how many photos kids had of their whole childhood oh, is yeah. probably what a parent takes in a week now. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, because you first of all, who wants to go to CVS and get it, get that all developed? But it's also a lot easier. Yeah, and uh, so so it's really interesting. You know, there's a lot coming down the pipeline, and man, I feel like we're just barely taking a sip from this ocean of experience that you have. And I know, I know, we're uh, approaching time here. But I would say, what do you feel like is is changing about the guest experience with restaurants? And how, how do we still maintain that as people are starting to dine back in, as digital is becoming better? What, is, what are some critical things to think about with the, uh, the guest experience in present day? I think the first and foremost is experience. The, the being aware of, hey, I made the pizza. What else do you want? Like, no, they want more. You have to have some shine, like have a pizza box with a, in the pizza world, just on a simple level that it's a logo and I feel invited by it. But bartenders, people are going out in bars. They don't want beer and shots. They want to have cocktails and unique things. It's like, listen, I could have died. I didn't let me give me something to live for now that I'm going back out into the world. And yeah, there's a lot of the, not even the political divide, but the mental divide of, Hey, am I safe? Am I not safe going out? is going to exist in perpetuity to an extent. I, I do think that there's going to be restaurants that have COVID-friendly sections or like social distance sections of the restaurant, especially in, it's going to be, I bet you, you don't see it in New York because they can't afford the space, but I bet you, you do see it in LA that you'll see like patios dedicated to social distancing two years from now. When, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see what happens with all the uh, all the outdoor structures in New York because it like talk about the wild, wild East. I mean, they just kind of like, Hey, build stuff. Cause no one's on the streets and now people are coming back and restaurants are like, well, we're going to keep this up actually. Yeah. Like, and they should, they should, yeah. they, New York got their ass handed to them oh and, the, and they're like, well, what do you want me to do? Uh, you figure it out. And they, they <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, we did. We're like, uh, you can't do this. Wait, I just built this thing. Yeah, but you can't. Like yeah, they exactly. had to deal with so much crap and the landlords were total jerks to all the guys I know in New York. It's like, hey, you're not going to have anyone else that's going to take this property. Can we just be cool to each other for six months? Right. No, pay me. Yeah, Get yeah. out. It's, it's a ghost town. So, um, well, what, what would be... I. I know, dude, Mike, I got to have you back on here, man. I want to talk ghost <laughs> kitchens with you. I want to talk family guy more with you. <laughs> I, I say anyone who's listening, you know, if you have a question about what are you doing right, really decide what you are doing right and go more towards it. And the things that you aren't sure on, really stop and think about and look at people that are doing something like you and try and mimic it. And also reach out because the world's become, even though it's separate, it's become closer, especially the restaurant community. More people are inclined to help each other out. So reach out to people. If you love a restaurant in Chicago, say, hey, how did you do this? I would say, without even knowing who's there, I bet you 50% chance you get a good response from whoever it is. DM on Instagram too. It's so beautiful. You just DM on Instagram and people are responding. 
Yeah. I mean, that's, Hey, that's how you got on this podcast, right? I just hounded you for a few months. No, I'm just kidding. You, actually, Mike, I really appreciate your response, uh, response time with that. So, um, well, here's, here are my key takeaways from today. Number one, loyalty can be fortuitous or it can be death, make it a VIP club, not a discount club Two, have the discipline of organization, invest in your systems, invest in your processes. Um, don't, don't just play a restaurant, like be a real restaurant. Number three, what reasons do people have to work for you? Make sure that you can define that and then live by that. Number four, customers want more than food and drink. They want more than bread and ale. They want something to live for. And number five, do more of the right things. I think that is something that's really critical is it's not just about doing, doing the good things. It's about doing more of that. So anyway, Mike, uh, really appreciate you coming on. How do people find you, follow you? Uh, on Instagram at Mikey Bausch or for all things unsliced on slicedbook.com. And if you just want to see what my restaurant is like, you can go to all things at Ando Pizza, A N D O Pizza on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that. Awesome. Well, Mike, for truly being that voice of inspiration, for helping us out in this restaurant community, and for giving me a couple of good laughs today. Today's ovation goes to you. Thank you so much for joining us on Give an Ovation, man. Right on. Thank you. Glad you're with us today and thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to ovationup.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.